So I've always had an inclination to use whatever experience I have to make the world a better place for other people. I never thought I would wind up in a career focused on this kind of work. But what I've come to understand is the skills that I built as a business leader are absolutely transferable to the work we're doing in the nonprofit world. And in some cases, I think it makes us uh, unique in the way that we approach the work we do because we, we really look for a very simple return on investment. Hello and welcome to On The Grid, Z-Prime's podcast about important issues regarding energy, cities, and much more. I'm your host, Ricky Murray. Welcome back, friends. This week, we're on the grid with Nona Evans, the executive director of the Whole Kids Foundation and the Whole Cities Foundation. Nona shares her approach on establishing community connections, how anti-racism and responsiveness are key ingredients for community building, and how she would solve community development with the wave of her magic wand. From love your energy to love and veggies, Joyce and I discuss it all. So turn up your speakers because it's time to get on the grid. Hello and welcome to On The Grid. I'm your host, Ricky Murray, and joining me today, straight from Z Prime's beautiful video series, City Chats, I'd like to welcome Joyce Dooley back to the podcast. Joyce, this is our first duet together. On a scale of one to 10, how excited are you? Pretty sure I'm at a 12. Oh, okay. Off the charts, off the charts excitement. I'm excited as well. I've been thinking about this podcast episode since we started preparing for it, and Joining us on the grid today is Nona Evans, the executive director of the Whole Kids Foundation and the Whole Cities Foundation. Welcome to the show. Welcome to On the Grid. Are you excited to get on the grid with us today? I am equally excited. I don't know, I don't know that I would have chosen 12 because I'm a rule follower, but yes, super excited to be here. Was even more excited to see your furry coworker join us. Oh, yeah. You know, I just moved and um my office setup is different now. And so my dogs kind of just make an appearance every once in a while. I think they make us all more human. Yeah, of course. Of course. Totally agree. Well, Nona, it's so good to have you join us. I've really loved our preliminary conversations, but for the audience who hasn't had a chance to meet you, I would love it if you just tell us a little bit about yourself and the foundations that you work for. Yeah, you bet. You know, I, I always like to admit my shortcomings and I am nowhere near an expert in the kind of energy that you and your listeners uh, are, but I have just an incredible passion for personal energy, the kind that you fuel by nourishing your body and by nourishing communities. Um, so in that vein, I'm the executive director, uh, as Ricky said, for Whole Kids and Whole Cities Foundation. They are uh, two nonprofit efforts that focus on improving children's nutrition and improving community access to fresh, healthy food and nutrition education. Um, and personally, I'm a foodie. I love to grow food. I love to cook food. I love to share food uh, with just about anybody who wants a good meal and good conversation. I love food just in general. That's just, I think, a commonality I think we can share. So with these, with both of these foundations, what do those on-the-ground efforts look like? What are those day-to-day activities in the communities? And how are you really ensuring that these communities are working to have their voice be heard in the scenarios? It's so important. As you, as you might imagine, our on-the-ground activity is food. 
<laughs> that would be that would be the yes. common denominator. <laughs> For Whole Kids Foundation, we have a set of primary programs that fund important elements that can make immediate changes in the food uh, environment at a school. So those are things like salad bar equipment and training uh, in the school cafeteria. It might be a school garden in the courtyard. Um, and it's nutrition education for teachers. We also focus on really long-term systemic change by helping to build leadership capacity that can move schools from processed food to scratch cooking. That's the most effective way to improve breakfast, lunch, snack, and dinner, which uh, is enjoyed by almost 31 million students 175 days a year at school. So that's what whole kids activity looks like. Uh, for whole cities, we focus on funding solutions that are created by local leaders that have the best understanding of what their community needs. So we support things like uh, community gardens and urban farms, mobile markets, nutrition classes, um, and even some vegetable prescription programs, if you've ever heard of those. And to make sure those voices are heard in everything we do, one of our central principles is to seek to understand. And that means we use our ears first. We always listen really, really carefully and often to those we serve. Uh, we continually adapt our approach and we also engage those we serve in making decisions about what we fund. So, uh, you know, it's it's not rocket science, it's pretty common sense stuff, but it's some of the, the hardest to actually operationalize. You know, that's just such wonderful work, Nona, thank you. So having smart communities and cities means having access to quality food and resources, and both organizations are tackling this head on. Can you speak to how influential your programs can be in alleviating food deserts uh, for other places? Yeah, you know, I, I really thought about this when you shared the question with me. And one of the simplest examples that I can give is from our work in school food. So every school in America and everywhere else understands that well-nourished kids are better able to learn. Like that doesn't sound like an outlandish idea, but all. it's evidenced by the fact that on testing days, every school will offer students a free breakfast only on testing days because they know it will improve performance. So we just happen to think that it's important for students to have healthy food that will fuel their learning all 175 days a school year. And the research actually proves out the fact that nutritious school meals lead to higher attendance um, which is one of the ways that our schools is, are funded, federally funded, um, because kids are healthier when they have healthy food. And students who eat healthier perform better in every aspect of school. That's academically, socially, emotionally, and of course in sports, which is the question we always get. And I always like to remind people it's either in real life sports or the digital kind. The kids all love the video games. And it's important for us to be sure our kids know that when you eat better, that works better too. So no matter what, what your passion is. So, you know, that's a very simple example of how our work can really create a paradigm shift in an environment. And we do that in, uh, in communities and other ways, but I, I think that one's probably the one that most people can relate to. Yeah, no, most definitely. And speaking of, you know, paradigm shifts, how does racial and economic disparity play a role in all of this? 
you know, everything we do travels through a lens of equity and inclusion. So by the very nature of the work that our missions have called on us to do, we work predominantly in communities of color. Um, you know, so first, we as a team have to have values that align with anti-racism. Um, and we have to be in a constant mode of learning to understand what the barriers are that are faced by those we serve. It's some of the work I'm the most proud of. And frankly, it's some of the most interesting work we get to do. So our team this year is doing a year long course of study on um, Asian American communities so that we can better understand the experience that they have. Um, so that's just one of the ways that it manifests for us personally. Another principle that we feel very strongly about is what we call responsiveness. And it, it simply means that we work really hard to be responsive to those we serve. And that means we respect the reality in their world as the most relevant element to any solution that we might collaborate with them on. You know, COVID was a really good example. We work with lots of smaller community organizations and their reality completely changed when COVID happened, which meant we had to pause some of the things we thought we were gonna do and do things differently or support them in a new or a different way or on a different timeline. So we understand that every community is different. And while we love to share ideas and successes among our partners, there is no one size fits all or one size fits most answer. It's all community by community by community. And, and that's the joy that um, we get from really understanding that there are no two situations that are the same and, and we can't possibly understand uh, the reality for every community. Did you know you always wanted to do this type of work, working with communities and really you know, embracing the communities and working together and finding these solutions. And, you know, I think it has always been somewhere deep inside my heart and soul. You know, um, it's not until somebody asks you a question like that, but as long as I can remember, my, my mom and dad used to manage a fishing marina on a lake in Texas. And I organized a charity tournament for, uh, to benefit kids with cancer. So I've always had an inclination to um, use whatever experience I have to make the world a better place for other people. I never thought I would wind up in a career focused on this kind of work. I, I am a retail gal. I love food. I've worked for the, the, in the food industry my whole life. I don't have any nonprofit experience other than serving on boards and being a volunteer. Um, but what I've come to understand is the skills that I built as a business leader are absolutely transferable to the work we're doing in the nonprofit world. And in some cases, I think it makes us uh, unique in the way that we approach the work we do, because we, we really look for a very simple return on investment. Yeah, of course. Nice. Yeah. At Zprim, we have a saying, we love your energy. So that's something we have really taken to heart. We use it as a love letter to the utility industry. We use it at really just showcasing energy is important. Everyone uses it. We love it. We love people who provide it for us, et cetera. So love your energy kind of came to fruition with Z Prime. Is there maybe a phrase or something that resonates with you that you relate to in the foundation missions or even personally with you? Yeah. You know, 
personally, I, I have always tried to live by the philosophy or, or just to remember that people will never remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. So I'm hoping that we are making everybody feel inspired today and they'll just remember that. Um, on the on the marketing you know side of things, that's that's too ethereal and too long for anybody to remember. So I guess it was about seven or eight years ago, I started signing my emails with love and veggies. And that sort of stuck as, as a saying around our work. Um, it started because as a mom, I always thought that those were the two ingredients you needed to raise a healthy kid. Like if they have love and they have veggies, you got the rest, like they'll figure it out. Um, so, you know, I like those uh, from the whole city standpoint. Um, you know, we always talk about the fact that that um, access without information and inspiration doesn't get you very far. Um, so that's one of the reasons that we focus both on healthy food and nutrition education. Um, and then you'll probably, you know, find in some of our stuff the, the, the thought that kids who grow food eat food. It's also true for adults. You know, I, so I grew up with a garden in my backyard since I can remember my, my dad was a extreme gardener, 10 tomato plants, 10 jalapenos, 10 banana peppers, onions, garlic, cantaloupe, strawberries at one point. He tried to do lettuce, but that's actually really it's surprisingly hard. hard to do and to keep clean out to get clean after. But I grew up eating vegetables my whole life, literally, because I could just pull them from my backyard. So love and veggies. I think I've lived by that maybe my whole life. So I think that that's my new favorite saying, and I'm going to use it every day. We'll send you a t-shirt. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Well, Nona, thank you so much. I mean, love and veggies is excellent. And I completely agree with you about the access, you know, having access without inspiration and information doesn't get you very far. So, I mean, wait, what a way to combine some really great concepts and apply them directly within your organizations that has lasting impact and change. But I, I know that there's challenges associated with that. So if you could wave a magic wand and could solve one aspect of community development and engagement, what would it be? You know, I, I love to set big, hairy, audacious goals, um, partially because I just, I didn't get that bone in your body that makes you afraid to fail. I, I love to go out and fail forward. Yes. We so, embrace failure on this podcast. So, yeah. yes. So, you know, I, one of the things that we actually have in our 10-year vision is to do what we can to change philanthropy. Um, you know, I mentioned that my background is as a business leader and, you know, return on investment is a very real thing that is not often enough spoken about in philanthropy. Um, and we see far too many organizations spending millions of dollars to implement an idea that wasn't born in the community they are implementing it in. And, you know, invariably the research will show success. Um, until the dollars that they were investing are done and and then the impact wanes you know so so it's uh, it's our goal to really look at philanthropy uh, as a way to support communities doing what they already know works because 
that's true innovation and it's what will last. You know, we, we are not an endowed foundation. We raise every dollar we invest. So we need to be sure that when we spend it, it's gonna have a long lasting impact. So I think, I think my magic wand would impact uh, philanthropy in that way. One of the, the best examples that I can share with your listeners, if, if you're looking for unconventional ways to make a difference, is uh, Whole Cities has worked in Newark for about the last six years. And we have probably two dozen different organizations that we've met and support. And Diana, who leads that work, uh, realized that these local leaders and organizations didn't all know each other. And mm-hmm. through dialogue, um, one of the most important investments that we made in Newark, New Jersey, was to throw a dead of winter party. All of our community gardeners are not gardening in the dead of winter, so they decided they could take time to come together and meet each other. Um, so it was a, a couple thousand dollar investment on our part to host a party where all of these local organizations could come together and it is still paying dividends. There are ideas that got shared. There were resources. You know, all of these urban gardeners discovered they were all buying soil separately. So they decided to pull their purchase power. Um, and even today, there are some ideas that came from that work that we're supporting. Um, you know, there's a, a concept that the community created of, of garden hours. So there are members in the community who are garden mentors and others can sign up for their time. Um, so just, you know, not not grant dollars invested in a way, but energy and and that principle of listening that can really make a difference. So I think if we could all practice a little bit more of that philanthropy, um, we could make we could make so much change in the world. I love that, and it's such a different way to see it too. It's from a different lens that might seem unconventional to some, but works incredibly well at creating connection and community. And ultimately that's all, that's all we long for as human beings, right? Yes. Is having that connection. So funny. I was just working on a, I have a meeting tomorrow where I am trying to convince a very focused audience that taking and making time to meet people that can help you reach your goals is actual work. Like sometimes it's the most effective time we can spend because, you know, resource, all resources are limited. Um, so yeah, it's the, 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 the value of connection. I just don't think we can, we can't put, put a KPI on that. (laughs) Not once. (laughs) My last question for you today is off the script here. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life every day, Ooh, what would it be? You know, that's, that's an impossible to answer question. (laughs) Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not a morning person. Um, so I eat oatmeal for breakfast every morning because that's one decision I don't have to make. Um, that's not the answer to your question. Um, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't eat one food for the rest of my life. But but if I have to answer, I would say it's somewhere between beets and mushrooms. I like the earthy, earthy oh. flavors. Do you have a favorite mushroom? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> haven't met one. I don't, that's how I feel about donuts. Yeah, I really haven't. You know, <laughs> on my bucket list, is uh, foraging mushrooms in the Pacific Northwest. So those will be my favorite mushrooms. Joyce, what about you? Gosh, if I could eat one food for the rest of my life. So I'd probably, it would probably have to be like charred broccolini. Oh, what a good answer. (laughs) Yeah, I think that would probably have to be it. (laughs) 
Nice. Yeah, nice. But see, right there is the fallacy in the question. That's a seasonal, that's a seasonal vegetable. <laughs> so, so the good news is we don't have to just eat one food for the rest of our correct, lives. We correct. Have all this choice. This correct. Is true. I'm just happy neither of your answers were like pizza because I can have different varieties or a salad because I can put multiple things on it. Like Oh, I never thought about that. Okay. Oh, I'll do that one next time. Trickery. Trickery. That's right. <laughs> Well, Nona, thank you so much for joining us today on The Grid. It was a pleasure chatting with you and learning about both foundations um, and the amazing work that you're doing across the board there. Where can we find, where can we stay up to date with you? Find the latest happenings, maybe with the foundations. Uh, where yeah. can we, our listeners follow along? Of course. Well, I, you know, on, on the, uh, on the, the thoughts of closing, I'll just say, you know, to anybody who's listening, if you have a passion, speak it out loud because you can just never tell what might happen from that. That's certainly been my path. Um, and you can keep following it. Um, wholekidsfoundation.org, wholecitiesfoundation.org is where all the information is. But if you just need a little dash of inspiration, uh, pull us up on Spotify. We've got some amazing five minute long stories. Uh, that will just make you uh, make you smile and feel really good. If you need video, we're on YouTube and of course, all the social. <laughs> of course, of course. Thanks again, Nona, for joining us. It was a great conversation with you today. Joyce, thank you for being my fabulous co-host this afternoon. Anytime. Until next time, everybody. Thank you for joining us on The Grid. We'll see you soon. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us today and you for listening along. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in joining us on The Grid, email us at info at For updates, please be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at ZPrime and on Twitter at ZPrime underscore research. This episode was produced by Ricky Murray and edited by Aria Levanti. Cover art is designed by Mia Dance.